Welcome to Lessons in Leadership, Steve Adubato, the lovely and talented Mary Gamba, who, now, did you find that dress, that outfit to match <laughs> this time? What, what are you doing? I did. I did. Well, ironically, we taped many shows in a day. I had on a different dress and I had to change it. The lighting was not adjusting well with it. I looked very green. So I had this as my next outfit and it just happens to match your tie. So it's perfect. It's absolutely beautiful. And also, I, I heard that Randy Stoddard, who understands marketing, branding, and branding better than most, he commented and said, Mary pops with that dress. She looks great, sounds great. Uh, <laughs> let me bring Randy in. And Mary, we're going to do the sponsors in just a second. Mm -hmm. Our good friend, Randy Stoddard, Chief Marketing Officer, Delta Dental of New Jersey, Delta Dental of Connecticut. Good to see you, Randy. You look, uh, you look like you just came back from a skiing trip. That is correct. And, and it's good to see you guys. Thanks for having me on the show. Um, I just came back from Breckenridge, Colorado. Uh, when I left New Jersey, it was 92 degrees. When I got to my house there, it was 20. And uh, <laughs> they have the highest chairlift in North America, which is an amazing thing to see, 12,800 feet. Oh, my. And uh, we are taping at the end of April 2022. Mary asked a question before we got on the air because Randy was bragging about his skiing in Colorado, the big soft snow, it's big pack, it's great. Would you ask me, Mary? I asked if you ever skied before, Steve. I don't think I know that answer. So back in the day, I went to Colorado and Utah in my mid-20s on a trip and skied for a week there and convinced myself, Randy, I was such a good skier. I came back here to the East Coast. It was wintertime. Went to a place called uh, Camelback. Anybody know it? Oh, sure. We go there all the time. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So I didn't realize how much ice would be there, Randy. <laughs> and, uh, thought I was skiing on this packed, nice Utah, Colorado snow. Long story short. Boom. Gone. Broke my leg, Mary. So I was laid on. Oh, the my gosh. Months. No way. Oh, my gosh. How do I not That's... know this story? And my friend, Linda Cesario, who watches us all the time, Linda Cesario, who took me in. I was single at the time. She had a great apartment in Bloomfield, New Jersey. They felt bad for me. Her friend was a nurse, took me in. After a week, because I couldn't walk or anything, Linda said, you need to go because you're so irritating. And I had a cast <laughs> on my leg. I was sitting on the, the Barca lounge or whatever you want to call it. Mary never skied again because- I was going to ask that question, and I'm sure Randy and all uh... of our viewers wanted to know. I think it's better just definitely don't ski again. That sounds awful. Randy, yeah. I apologize for sharing that long-winded story that has nothing to do with leadership. <laughs> Hey, uh, because Randy's a friend, I can get away with that. Hey, Randy, this you, you talked to us about this, but I want to bring it to everyone else. Adam Grant with the New York Times wrote a story, languishing, flourishing in the New York Times. Why did you bring that to our attention and why is it important? Go ahead. Well, the, the story was written last year and, you know, I was I was looking at some things at the end of the year and noticed that it was the most read story in the New York Times in 2021. And when I read the article, it really struck a chord with me. And it was it was kind of how I felt during the pandemic, which, uh, you know, the, the I guess uh, another psychiatrist had coined this term languishing. But it's, it's this feeling where you're not depressed, but you're not operating at peak level. You're kind of in this void in the middle. And, and that's kind of the way I felt during COVID. And I'm sure a lot of people felt that way. And that's why that article was the most read of 2021. And I'm curious about this because 
Um, the issue of wellness is talked about a lot. We talk about a lot wellness and leadership. Do you think that we, Randy, uh, as leaders with a lot of responsibility, big significant portfolios, responsible for other people, responsible for budgets, et cetera, et cetera. Do you think we take care of ourselves enough or in the right way? Well, you know, I, I think we spend a lot of time thinking about others and uh, what we can do, you know, for our companies and, and everything else. And at times I do think we neglect uh, ourselves. And I, I think, you know, that, that's one of the things about that article that struck home to me. You know, it's uh, really a, a signal kind of to reassess where you are right now, how you're feeling and how you can, you know, change your life and, into something that's flourishing. Um, and I, I think that was the follow-up article, by the way, that was by Danny Blum, but uh, another writer for the New York Times. But I, I thought it was very interesting, you know, feeding off of, of the language thing, a story by Adam Grant. Good stuff. And P.S. Delta Dental um, is one of our major sponsors of Lessons in Leadership, as well as supporting what we do on the public broadcasting side. And also on Lessons in Leadership, um, the push, the programming that we're doing in connection with Lessons in well, in connection with Delta Dental is all around small business. Just want to clarify that. Mary, go ahead. Yeah, I would love to ask a, a personal question around wellness, Randy. I know I've been telling Steve, I've been listening to a lot of audiobooks recently, the Dalai Lama, Desmond Tutu. So I would love to just get a sense from you. What do you do really for your own wellness? Is it getting out to take a walk? What is it for you? He reads the New York Times, Mary. Beyond that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's funny. I, I've heard of people during uh, the pandemic buying these uh, barns or shacks, tool sheds, and putting them in their backyard and running electricity into them so that they could separate their workspace from their home space. So I, I heard about somebody who got out, would walk around the block, get dressed for work, walk around the block, go into the shed in the back uh, of the, the house in the backyard, work all day, leave at five, walk around the block, come home and change, you know? And I do think that there's something about separation. I didn't go that extreme, but you know, my, my commute, I, I get up and uh, I go to Dunkin' Donuts and I get a cup of coffee and I come back and then I get ready for work. And sometimes I'll take a walk around the block and I'll try to do that, you know, during, during the day as well. Um, and, and I think also, you know, just to kind of make sure you're checking in and assessing how you're feeling um, and, and being engaged, you know, I think it's a, it's a great time. And I've tried to do this to, to get out and engage in the community a little bit more, you know, doing a good deed is, is a really great thing too. And it makes you feel a lot better. So if you can find a way, you know, to do that as well, uh, I think that's very helpful. I mean, I even, you know, trying to savor like small things, you know, we, we try to, when I can get my four kids together at the dinner table together. We, what are their age, Randy, what are their ages? Yeah, they're, they're uh, 16, uh, 13, 11, and eight. Um, and, and, you I, and you really, wait, you really want all of them around at the dinner table? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we, we did that recently and it didn't go as I planned it. Yeah. Well, go ahead. I'm sorry, Randy. So you well, get them around the table. Go yeah, ahead. Yeah, well, we start out, you know, we, we would start out eating and we, you know, go around the table and either say something good that happened that day or somebody you helped 
or something that you're grateful for somewhere along those lines. And it's a, it's a nice little thing because it makes us all think about, you know, how, how our life has been that particular day. And it's the little things that really matter, you know? And they don't argue because I'm trying to figure out how to do that at our table with our two sons, one 19, one 17, not arguing yeah. with each other. And yeah. you don't have that issue? Well, there's a little bit of uh, jabbing at each other, let's say, depending on what comment has been made. So I've got to step in in those times. But uh, I, I hear you. <laughs> they've gotten hey, used to it. So they know they know if they want to you know, get through it. They've got to they've got to play it right. <laughs> I love it. Randy, make sure you tell everybody what Delta Dental is. We're, we're the largest uh, provider of, of dental benefits in the United States and, and in New Jersey. And we offer plans for large companies, mid-sized companies, small companies, individuals. Um, it, it's really, you know, uh, easy to buy a plan as an individual. It'll take you 10 minutes if you go to our website to buy one. You know, and we, we really focus a lot in the community um, via our foundation and, and other things that we do, like with the Special Olympics. Uh, Special Olympics. We have a big, don't we have another, I'm sorry for interrupting, Randy. Do we not have a golf, as we're taping right now, at yes. the end of April, we might be seen after. We have a golf outing every year yeah. that I'm, I'm honored to be a small part of and hosting it. You guys raise a ton of money for Special Olympics. Yes, this is a... Uh, it's in May and it'll be the 32nd year and we're up to about a million and a half dollars, um, you know, during that time frame. So, you know, it's a, it's a great chance to get out and reconnect. And I think everybody enjoys playing some golf after uh, COVID. <laughs> well said. And Mary, do you realize that just about an hour and a half, we tape a lot of shows in one day that our good friend, Dennis Wilson, who's the president and CEO of Delta Dental New Jersey uh, and also Delta Dental of Connecticut and also Michelle Sakurka president and CEO of the New Jersey Business and Industry Association. They're joining us together to talk about small business and leadership. They sure are. Yeah, I think Randy arranged that. Uh, <laughs> Randy, you're a great partner and friend and we really appreciate you joining us, thanks. Thank you. Now that I shared my ski story, we'll be right back after this. This edition of Lessons in Leadership is made possible by the Bicino Leadership Institute at Seton Hall University, Prager Metis, Valley Bank, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825, the North Ward Center, the New Jersey Sharing Network, Delta Dental of New Jersey, Kessler Foundation, Veolia, and Seton Hall University, showing the world what great minds can do since 1856. This is Mary Gamba. If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to stand-deliver.com. That's stand-deliver.com. Hey, Mary, why don't you open it up? Go ahead, let's go. Oh, this is great. So welcome yeah, back yeah. to Lessons in Leadership. Look at me, I, have you taught me well? <laughs> it is my pleasure to be joined today by Tatum Kolitz. Uh, Tatum is a Senior Associate Athletics Director and Senior Woman Administrator at Seton Hall University. And my sister, Michelle, actually is a graduate of Seton Hall University. Steve, I don't know if you knew that. So go my Pirates. Sister is a, excuse me, my sister is a graduate of Seton Hall University. I, you know, um, am a visiting scholar there. You know that? Do you know that, Mary? Uh, yes, I do know that. Absolutely. And a shout out to our friends over there, of course. Yes. At the Bucino Leadership Institute? Mm -hmm. Yep, definitely. Dr. Brian Price, nice. Uh, thank you so much for putting us in touch. And Begin also, and everyone over there, they're just fantastic. So Tatum, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Hey, uh, Tatum, Seton Hall is one of our 
partners. And, and Dr. Joe Nyer, the president, has been on Lessons in Leadership before. We have a long history with Seton Hall. Uh, women's sports slash its connection to leadership. Is there a connection in your mind between sports and leadership, leadership and sports? I absolutely. I think the the lessons you learn through sport, I think as a female student athlete, especially, it teaches you confidence at a young age. It teaches you how to connect with others, how to find mutual viewpoints, finding problem solving solutions. I think sports are a natural avenue. And I think for women, especially young women, it's just, it's a natural connection to leadership. Why especially young women? I think sports provide an avenue, as I mentioned before, to be more confident. I think it's an outlet that feels sometimes more natural and you learn how to participate in a team setting, how to provide whatever you bring to the table. You learn what your strengths are quickly. You have coaches that help mold and identify what those strengths are. And I think it provides that sense of leadership and confidence at a young age that really drives other areas of life and other areas of whatever these young women are looking to pursue. Mary, one more and then I'll have you jump in. So I'm gonna, uh, our daughter Olivia is gonna get mad that I did this, but our daughter Olivia is 11 years old. My opinion, she's the best athlete in the family that includes all of our sons. So that being said, she's 11, uh, competitive dance, but she loves softball as well. She's 11, she wanted to play up on the 12 year old team, 12 year team, she got on, blah, 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 blah. She's not starting as we speak right now. Not thrilled about it. I said, Olivia, you wanted to play on the older team. She got to play recently because the first, first uh, base woman was hurt. There's a point here. She made some plays in the field and she did well in the field, but the pitcher on the other team struck out 18 of her, it was 18, so Mary, that's six innings, mm -hmm. a perfect game, 18 strikeouts, and I said, Olivia, and they lost 11 nothing. So I said, Olivia, what about the game? And she said, and I was there, I saw the game, and she said, I made seven outs. I said, what do you mean? She goes, well, I caught seven on first base. The reason I'm asking this whole thing is I tried to explain to Olivia, that's great. You're on a team, honey. It's a team sport. She goes, I know, but I caught all the balls that came to me. I said, I know, but you're on a team. She, and I, she's the best. She's competitive. She's terrific. Great teammate. But there's a point here. How the heck do you teach kids, not just my daughter, but kids that the team is bigger than you are? Yeah. Or is that just not natural? I think it becomes natural. And I think that's the beauty of being involved in sport and the atmosphere that you're around is those are your friends. Those are your teammates. Those are the people that you're likely seeing in and out of practice every day. As a, a student or as a, a young girl, you're seeing those people in, in different ways. They might be someone in an academic setting where they're the strongest, but then when they get to the softball field, maybe that's an area where they need a little bit more of a push. So I think the team coming first is it becomes natural when you're in that kind of setting because you really recognize what people bring to the table. There's the recognition of wanting your teammates to find that common goal, be with one another, and ultimately try to find a way to persevere. And even if it's not a win that day, you're going to find little pieces and little parts that were wins within that greater, whether it's a W and L that day, if you tie. But I think that's the beauty of doing it at such a young age that you learn 
there are lessons even when you lose. And those lessons are usually more powerful and teach mm -hmm. resilience and teach that grit that ultimately is going to translate to things far beyond sport. Mary knew that. Was I knew coming. I knew that prop was going to be coming up, Tatum. The second I, <laughs> the hey, second I hey, heard Tatum, 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 you think that's a prop? Look at this. There he it is. Got a million of them. <laughs> I, okay. And listen, Olivia, I'm sorry. And I know that I was giving you a lessons in leadership on the car on the way home and you weren't interested in hearing it. I know you'll grow to be a better teammate as you get older. Go ahead, Mary. Love it. Uh, Tatum, and especially it's a perfect segue talking about uh, young women in sports. Talk about the initiative you launched uh, called She Can. What exactly is it and what type of skills is it instilling in our young ladies today? Yeah, it's a great program and it's something that really grew from something that had been established at Seton Hall where we used to host this spring leadership event that was geared towards our female student athletes. And when I started Seton Hall in January of 2020, it was something I was really intrigued by. I was excited to learn about this history and we surveyed our student athletes. We tried to get a sense of did they want more to this program? Did they want more than just that one day event? And we got great feedback and ultimately have launched something that's a little bit more intentional. We try to have things throughout the year, whether it's our monthly newsletter, our seasonal newsletters, where we're highlighting current student athletes, current female staff members across the university, not just in athletics, and then a female alumna of Seton Hall. So we get the ability to connect, to highlight women, to model women that are in different leadership positions, different walks of life, and provide connections. So they have a little bit of a snippet that is accessible. We put it on our website. We have an Instagram account that we try to engage it and meet our students where they're at. And we know they're on social media. So trying to be really intentional and also bring it back to the goal of She Can is to rate to create and cultivate a network of women of leadership and to really instill those professional skills and seeing themselves in that next stage and transitioning identities from their college student athlete years to that next professional environment, whatever that may be. So we're doing a lot of different things. We have a panel event next week where we'll bring back five women, former division one student athletes, as well as Seton Hall alumna. So we're really excited and just trying to provide as many abilities to network, to expose and to model what leadership looks like for females. Hey, real quick on this, even though the Seton Hall men's basketball team and we are season ticket holders, we never miss a game, particularly my son, Nick, and I were right there and it's with all the other fans. It's a great time for Seton Hall basketball. We have a new coach coming in on the men's team, Shane, Holloway, mm -hmm. who came from St. Peter's, coming back home, if you will, to Seton Hall. The Seton Hall women's basketball team kicked butt. Did it not? Please share. They, they absolutely did. It's, it's been a pleasure to work with those young women and that staff. I'm the sport administrator, so I get the opportunity to travel with the team and be on the road and see the behind the scenes part of the work they put in. And it really is a special group of, of young ladies. And to make a national championship appearance in the WNIT with the group that we had, it just, it's exciting. And I think it shows a lot to the next season ahead and what we're, we're capable of. So very, very proud of everyone. Good stuff. Last question, Mary. Oh, sure. Definitely. Um, I would love to know in terms of getting any uh, parents with young girls in particular, how do they get them interested in sports? I know um, just myself, I was extremely interested, my sister, not so much, um, but there are so many great life and leadership lessons that we learn from playing sports. We learn to be disciplined. So how do we get young women to get interested in sports? 
It's a great question. And I, I think it comes back to exposure. And I think that there's been a lot more of the women's game, whether it's basketball, softball, volleyball, track, swimming and diving, having that presence on television, on media, having the ability to see women in sport succeeding and excelling um, and looking at the TV or looking at whatever that streaming service is and saying, I want to be that. I want to try to do something similar to that. So I think it's exposure. I think it's the ability to also provide opportunities. And I think at Seton Hall, I know we offer a variety of camps and clinics. We try to do kids days. Um, I know we have something going on with softball this weekend, trying to invite youth in the community to come out and support. So anything that you can do to kind of expose that next generation to those opportunities, those sports teams, and do it in a way that find out what their friends are doing. If they have a friend that's on the soccer team or a friend that's running track or participating in a certain sport, usually that's a gateway to say, well, it's one more chance I can hang out with my best friend. And I think sports are just a great opportunity and an outlet that young women can really pursue and excel at. Tatum, before I go, did you, were you involved in sports as a kid? I was. I was. I tried land sports first. I was on a soccer team for a short time, but realized I was much better in the pool. So I was a swimmer and a water polo player. Awesome. Uh, Tatum Cullet, I want to thank you so much. Uh, all the best to you and the family of the team at Seton Hall, Seton Hall University, uh, particularly the women's sports program. Thank you, Tatum. Thank you so much for having me. You got a lessons in leadership. Be right back. Promotional support for this edition of Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba, has been provided by NJ.com, NJBIA, and New Jersey Business Magazine, CIANJ, and Commerce Magazine. Welcome back to Lessons in Leadership. Uh, Tatum was great, no? She's great. She's wonderful. I, I always get so excited. We've been doing this for how many years and we keep going through our list and we're like, all right, who can we bring on and how is it going to be different? And every single episode is different. And I love that about what we do. And I'll tell you what, what I have found, Mary, is if, when you ask someone to tell us about how, who has influenced them, how, they're, how they've developed as a leader, who the role models were, et cetera, et cetera. You never know what you're going to get, and it changes things. So when people say, oh, it's the same topic, leadership is not a topic. It's leadership not. is just a way of looking at the world. Speaking of, so this new book, Mary, what's the working title again? It is Lessons in Leadership 2.0, The Tough Stuff. Yeah. So it's a follow-up to Lessons in Leadership, which is on our website. So here's the thing. Why, Mary? Um, why at this point in my career, after publishing five, having five books published, what's the reason, what's the need to write a sixth book on leadership? Shouldn't I be retiring? Or why am I always refiring? It's not about me, but what's up with that? Is it an obsession? What is it? It's an obsession. I mean, it, it's an obsession in a good way. And I always, we push each other in very spirited ways. And I do, I push you a little bit just to make sure that you're taking the time that you need for yourself, for your family. You know, I always live by the, you're not going to look back on your life and say, oh, I wish I worked more, or I wish I spent more time worrying about work. What you're going to do when you're on your deathbed is look back and say, wow, I wish I would have spent more time with family. I wish I would have spent more time outside. So you want to start at the end and then work backwards. And for me, sure, you and I talk about retirement. You and I see that a little bit differently. When I say I want to retire, it just means that I don't want to be 
you, literally for the next 30 years doing the same exact thing every single day. Not that I'm doing that now, not that I'm doing that now. But when I say that, it's like, oh, you know, I want to have a, I want to operate my own dog rescue. We've talked about it on the show a million times. And I don't, I don't. I know. <laughs> you don't even like the two dogs that you have. So I, it's okay. I, I, it's not a good thing to say because now the dog, no, I, no, no, you love your dogs, but there's certain people. My husband loves our dog. He says he is not going to help me in any way. It's not a passion of his. So <laughs> the moral of the story, and it's fine. The moral of the story is you need to find what helps you to wake up in the morning. And for you, you love your work. You love what you do. And like you said, while you can still do it and you're great at it, why wouldn't you keep doing it? So I, I do agree with if you found that passion in your life, you can keep doing it until either yourself or someone else says, all right, it's time not to do it anymore. So, so there's, it's interesting here because actually one of the chapters in this new book um, is about retirement because <clears throat> it is a tough issue. And, I, and the other really weird thing about this is we're taping this on the 21st. Is it the 21st? Mm-hmm. Yesterday, one of the greatest coaches in college basketball at another university, not Seton Hall, over at Villanova, uh, their basketball coach at 60 retired. And I was like, what? I'm sorry, what? Um, he was at the top of his game. I don't know what he's going to do. That's not the point. The point I'm making is that mandatory retirement, um, who just said he wants to retire at 60? Alvin said that? Alvin, are you really serious? <laughs> Alvin, yes, he's saying, okay. He's saying, yes, sir. I, I don't, and here's why. And I wrote about this in the chapter, and, and there's a, we stopped saying, now he's saying half of my life is already over. I want to enjoy the rest. Elvin, exactly, stop. Elvin, thank you. Thank you, Elvin. You better be careful. He's going to make you join us in a second. But here's the problem with that argument. It only gets harder. Stop, Elvin, just direct the show. So listen. <laughs> My problem with that, Mary, is that I love this. So when it's talk about enjoying your work, this, yes, I enjoy playing golf. I enjoy working out. I enjoy spending time with my wife and our kids and the great friends, blah, 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 blah. But if you stop thinking, working, creating, don't we start to atrophy? But I want to work and create, but I don't need to get, I don't want to have to get paid for it. Right now, I work Okay, because... we can work that out, Mary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to work for the money. I don't want to work for the papers. I want to work because I want to wake up. Like I, I literally have written a book for the past seven years and it's still not done. And I want to do the dog rescue. I want to see the entire world. We've talked about this on this show. I am going to buy an RV when Joey goes to college and we're going to see the entire country, right? So, but right now working for me and working for my husband is about living for most of us. It's paying the bills. It's paying to put our kids through college and letting them pursue their dreams. So when I say I want to retire, I want to retire from having to work. If that makes sense, that could be a great book title. I want to retire from having to work. I want to retire from having to get a paycheck every two weeks in order to survive. So to me, that would be retirement because then I can truly be liberated to follow my true passion of what I want to be doing with the rest of my life. I get, there's no time left. But I'm going to ask you this. If you did not have to make money along with Bill, your husband, who does really important work, mm -hmm. would you not work? Partner? I would not work. People? I would not, period. I would, now I would do things that but were- I was fast. Yeah. <laughs> I would do things that were great for society. I would volunteer. But, I would open up a nonprofit, but it would not what be. What about me? What about? Be fine. 
you'll be fine. You'll be great. You will be. Listen, but if I won the lottery tomorrow, would Batman I work anymore now? And there's Robin. Mm -hmm. We're Batman and Robin. We are Batman and Robin, but we can but have fun Robin doing other things. Okay, all right. Yeah. <laughs> Elvin, who's saying all kinds of things in the chat, is now saying. He's saying we have to say goodbye. You see what Elvin said? No, it's he's only sending it to you right now. He said Batman was rich too. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's not fair. Um, thank you, Mary. Um, never mind. I think I'm going to work forever. I'll see you guys next time. Lessons in leadership. This edition of Lessons in Leadership is made possible by the Bicino Leadership Institute at Seton Hall University, Prager Menace, Valley Bank, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825, the North Ward Center, the New Jersey Sharing Network, Delta Dental of New Jersey, Kessler Foundation, Veolia, and Seton Hall University, showing the world what great minds can do since 1856. This is Mary Gamba. If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to stand-deliver.com. That's stand-deliver.com. Promotional support for this edition of Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba, has been provided by NJ.com, NJBIA, and New Jersey Business Magazine, CIANJ, and Commerce Magazine. I could feel my lungs fill with oxygen and I got my life back. The Sharing Network means to me hope, life, and everything. The Sharing Network was a lifeline to me when I really needed it. We are an organ procurement organization. The core purpose of the New Jersey Sharing Network is to save and enhance lives. To honor those who gave. Pay tribute to those who received. Offer hope to those who continue to wait. And remember the lives lost while waiting. For the gift of life.